Well, we are in a series on spiritual growth. We're trying to paint a picture of what spiritual growth looks like and talk strategies for how to grow in our faith. And Pastor James reminded us last week that we don't just have a physical body, and so you know, this, the, a mature spiritual life isn't just about behavior, uh, as important that is. He said, hey, we also have a soul. We've got a mind and a will. We have emotions. And, and the key is this. The key is this. Spiritual growth involves transformation in every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. Spiritual maturity uh, means that you have been transformed by the gospel, by the Spirit of God indwelling you, by the glorious promises of Scripture, uh, in how you take care of your body, in what you, how you think, and what you do, and, all, and even how you feel. Because today we're talking about emotions. Today we're talking about emotions. And God actually wants to transform our emotional life. Um, Jesus Christ is our example. In fact, uh, a synonym with spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. So we talk about growth in Christ-likeness. Becoming more like Jesus, it's the same thing as growing spiritually. Jesus is the perfect man. He is our example for how we should live. And, and so we want to pattern ourselves after Jesus. And not just after his doings, his behavior, and not just after his thinking, but even his feelings. We, we want to model the emotional life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's, it's popular now to talk about... Uh, EQ, emotional, your emotional intelligence, your emotional quotient, right? Your, your um, emotional intelligence. And I like that. I mean, defined correctly, emotional intelligence is spiritual maturity. And Christians, we ought to be the most emotionally mature out there as the, as the Spirit of God transforms our emotional lives. So we want to strive not only to be like Jesus in his behavior and his thoughts, but also to exhibit his emotional life. Um, God wants us to be emotional. Believe it or not, God is emotional. You read the Bible. He, he's a person. He's an emotional person. Jesus had a, uh, exhibit a, a full panoply of emotions. Uh, God wants us to be emotionally engaged in life. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that's the case. Um, but you can, you can go too far. And so some people, uh, they have given too much authority to the emotions in their lives. The emotions are calling the shots in their lives. Uh, the emotions are the caboose. And so when they're feeling, they just give into those feelings, and they allow the feelings to run wild, and, and, and then sometimes those feelings can take them into sin. Uh, and the Bible says, uh, one of the things the Bible says is, uh, in your anger, do not sin. Uh, we're going to talk next week, uh, this is actually a two weeks on emotions. Next week, we're going to focus primarily on uh, the emotion of anger because it's one that gets us in, in a lot of trouble, and I think we need to think deeply about it. So, uh, on one hand, you, you, an unhealthy emotional life is, is one in which you give you give your emotions too much authority, too much free reign, 
to dictate your thinking, your behavior. On the other hand, you can, uh, another unhealthy approach to emotions is to squash them, to squelch them, to sit on them, to kill them. You know, the Stoics thought that that was uh, ideal. And they said, you know, you, you don't want to be very emotional. You want to be stoic. Uh, you need to be pretty unfazed, emotionally unengaged. Uh, Buddhism loves this as well. Some forms of Buddhism really are into basically uh, don't, don't you respond emotionally to life because that's how you get hurt. Well, God actually wants us to have a, a healthy emotional engagement in life. Uh, doesn't want us to give, let our emotions call the shots, but at the same time doesn't want us to squash our emotions. It actually honors God when we are appropriately emotional about the things that matter. You know, the Bible actually um, makes some commands to our emotions, tells us to feel certain ways. The Bible instructs us to hate sin Rejoice always, delight and be glad in the Lord, weep with those who weep, grieve like those who have hope, fear God. These are emotional terms. God wants us to have emotions and even strong emotions at times. So what's an emotion? Well, uh, American Psychological Association adapts a Webster's definition on their website, emotions are conscious mental reactions, mental reactions such as anger or fear, subjectively experienced as strong feelings, usually directed toward a specific object, typically accompanied by physiological and behavioral changes in the body. All right, what does that mean? Well, let me simplify it. Um, we have up here a um, emotion production process motion creation process. And, and so it starts with a situation, and you're going to respond to this situation emotionally. And that situation could be someone cut you off in traffic. It could be a dream. Uh, it could be somebody says something really nice about you, compliments uh, the way you look. You, maybe you lose your job. Maybe you get a job. Maybe you Get an A on your paper, an F on your paper, um, but something happens, and that situation produces in you an emotion, and it could be a, a weak emotion. In other words, it's just kind of, yeah, I feel the sun is shining on me, and the, the sunlight makes me feel pleasant, or it, it could be a strong emotion, right? You win the lottery, and you're like, ah, this is awesome, uh, or, or it's terror, you know, strength of emotion, positive, negative emotion. But between the situation and the emotional response is something we call the, the appraisal process. Appraisal. You're, you're appraising whether or not the situation is good or bad for you. You're making a judgment. And um, sometimes that appraisal process is instantaneous and totally subconscious. You're walking down a path, a bear jumps out in front of you, and you're not, you don't need to appraise that bear very long, right? You just instant uh, anxiousness, you know, the, uh, your body starts freaking out, and uh, you know, I got to do something here. 
So you're not even conscious of it. And other times, it, it, it comes about through some real thinking. And, but um, the situation is appraised by you, whether instantaneously or over time, it's conscious or, or unconscious, and then you have this emotional reaction, which can be positive or negative. Uh, by the way, positive emotions and negative emotions doesn't mean right or wrong, just has to do with whether or not the emotion is causing you to want to move towards something. That's a positive emotion, like interest or excitement or joy or happiness, make, compassion even makes you want to move toward. Um, or a negative emotion makes you want to pull away from, you know, fear, anger, terror, depression, sadness, right? I want to m- m- back away. By the way, emotion has the word motion it, it, because it's about the motion of the soul. Uh, if, I, if I am interested in that computer back there, my body can walk toward it, but how does your soul move toward or away from something? Through your emotions. And so if your soul uh, is like something, your emotions, positive emotions move you toward it. If your soul doesn't like something, negative emotions move you away from it. Okay, so um, there are lots, there's lots of debate about what exactly, you know, what are the emotions and uh, how exactly do they interact um, by the way, one of the things Pastor James mentioned last week is that we are very integrated, that uh, when our body hurts, often that affects our thinking, or, and it affects our emotions, and they're all swirl up, right? And so it's really hard to parse everything out beautifully. But it, it's good to think about these different aspects of our lives um, separately. Okay, so... Probably the most popular theory of emotions is called the discrete theory of emotion. Um, You might have encountered this in the movie Inside Out. And the discrete theory of emotion says that we have a uh, a limited number of core emotions or basic emotions, and all other emotions that we talk about are just subsets of these core emotions. Um, Some say five or six, some say nine, some say 12. Um, In the, the... Inside Out movie, there are, I believe there are five. The enjoyment, sadness, fear, anger, disgust, and sometimes people lump in surprise. And then, so all the other emotions are just uh, subsets or derivations of these. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the um, ideas behind the discrete theory of emotion is that you will be experiencing one emotion at a time. So if you're, if you're experiencing anger, you're experiencing anger. If you're experiencing sadness, you're experiencing sadness. Um, the, the next major theory of emotion is called circumplex model of emotion. And, and it says, no, actually, you can be experiencing multiple emotions at the same time. And uh, it says you also need to think in terms uh, of whether the emotion is a, a positive or negative emotion. Uh, and whether and and what they use they use the terms of arousal, high arousal, low arousal. In other words, how intense are you feeling the emotion? So here we've got uh, the circumplex model. Um, so if you have low arousal, but it's a negative emotion, you might be bored or depressed. Uh, on the other hand, if it, if you have high arousal and it's negative, 
you might find yourself angry or tense or, or terrified. Right? Uh, one last help if you're interested in this is called the uh, emotional flower. I like this one. And, and this one, the, uh, the center has to do with intensity. And the, uh, so the farther out you are, the, least, the less arousal. The closer to the center, the more aroused. So if you looked at uh, annoyance, you might, if you have, if it's a negative emotion, but you don't have much intensity, it, you're annoyed. But eventually, as the intensity grows, it's anger, it turns into rage. Uh, or you might, up there in yellow, you have you know, serenity, the sunlight, it, and I'm just at peace, and joy, and eventually it's ex, you know, ecstasy, an in, in intense emotion. Um, and it says that you can, you can experience a couple different emotions at the same time. So if you're having, um, if you're feeling joy and trust, it might be a, uh, an emotion of love. Anyways, just showing you there um, different theories about how exactly the emotions work in our bodies. Our emotions reveal what our soul loves. I think this is important. Uh, Sam Williams, in his article, Toward a Theology of Emotion, writes, Our emotional states are windows into our souls, revealing the allegiance of our hearts. Uh, I heard one person say, uh, Your emotions are like a light on the dashboard of your car. You have, you know, what are you going to do if you see a light on your dashboard? Well, you might smash the light because you don't want to. You don't want to have to deal with that or think of it. I've I've got some lights on my dashboard that just sort of sit there. I don't do anything about them. But what I should do is, you know, open up the hood, look under, or at least give it to somebody who knows, like Bob Harrell, and uh, figure out what's going. Well, you know, why is that light on? What's going on? So our emotions reveal what our soul values. I mean. It's as simple as if you're experiencing a positive emotion, well, that means that you are you think something good's happening to you, and if it, and if it's a super strong positive emotion, you really think this is good for you at a soul level. If you're having a negative emotion, you don't, you think you're concluding this is bad for you, and if it's a strong emotional, you know you're thinking it's really bad for you. So. Uh, Emotions, and by the way, that's, that's one of the, um, it, that's a wonderful aspect of emotions that God has given us. It, it helps us get in touch with our inner life. It helps us get in touch with our heart. And we should be in touch with our hearts because uh, there's work to be done in all of our hearts. So now I want to just take a moment and talk about kind of emotions pre-sin then what did sin do to our emotional life? And then what does Jesus want to do, even this side of heaven? So, uh, creation. Well, God created us with emotions. He, he created us to be emotional before sin ever entered the world. Emotions are good. And, and they serve God's purposes when they move us toward what is good and away from what is bad. So imagine that your heart is perfect before God. It means that you will rejoice in, thrill out, thrill at, be, be positive toward, 
truth and righteousness, right? The things that please God, the things that God is for, you would have an, a positive emotional reaction toward. And they would move, your emotions would move you toward what God wants you to move toward with interest and excitement and joy and happiness. And, 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 and the things that God does not like, right? Uh, unrighteousness, sin, evil, brokenness, um, lies, you would recoil from at an emotional level and it could serve a great purpose because, it, you know, your engagement with God's world would be a full engagement, not just an intellectual engagement, a heart-level engagement. And so we would be, um, God intended, gave us emotions so that we would be uh, fully involved in the world that he created and in the right way. Okay, so, so pre-fall, our hearts were perfect, and therefore our emotions naturally were oriented towards the things that God uh, approves of, towards God's will and ways. And so our emotional life would just help us engage more fully in this wonderful world he'd created in just the right way. Awesome. Then came sin. Now, what happened with sin? Well, sin distorts, you know, our hearts, obviously. Uh, sin has distorted our hearts. Uh, and as a result, we, it has distorted our appraisal of situations. So now, because I've got a sin-twisted heart, I might thrill at the lie, or I might thrill at the sin. And I might actually recoil from what is true and good. So, uh, somebody I don't like suffers a job loss gets hurt, their kid fails in school, right? They lose, and that makes me happy. Is that the way it was supposed to be? No, but can we go there? We yeah, we can in our sin. We can absolutely go there. Or, you know, um, I make some, some hints to uh, someone at work, uh, and she responds with interest, and all of a sudden, I'm getting excited because I see the possibility of having an affair. There's a door that's just been opened to my sin issue. Uh, on and on it goes. See, so our, our hearts, because our hearts are twisted, um, our emotions can now thrill at things that are actually wrong and recoil from things that are actually good, Right? Uh, the kid is very distressed because, um, you know, mom and dad are, are closing the door on, on the things that they used to get away with, etc. Sam Williams continues, The fallen human heart is evil, deceptive, rebellious. Therefore, its products, such as our emotions, are inevitably tainted with the stain of sin. Our emotions are no longer naturally oriented in such a way that they contribute to honoring, loving, and obeying God. Instead, our emotions have become self-serving, our affections idolatrous, affections means what does your heart love, and our passion is for our own glory rather than God's glory. Okay, so we talked about creation, fall. All right, what does God want to do? God wants to renovate our hearts, right? 
He wants to take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. He, he wants to renovate our hearts so that our, our hearts beat in harmony with God's will and ways. And, so, and, and as that happens, right? And that, that happens through the work of the Holy Spirit inside you know within the context of christian community don't undervalue don't underestimate the the importance of the church to forming your spirit uh your spiritual life um and he does it with the truths of the gospel and and he and and god begins to renovate our heart and as our heart begins to beat more and more in harmony with god's will and ways our emotions will follow so we'll find ourselves thrilling more and more at truth and righteousness and, and, uh, and recoiling more and more from the lie and from sin. Galatians 5.22, we've heard this a million times. But the fruit of the Spirit is... So when the Holy Spirit is running your life and, and running your heart, produces love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Many of those are emotions. So yeah, as we, as we mature spiritually, our emotions, emotional life should change and become more like the emotional life of Jesus. So Jesus is our example for how to be emotional. Right? He's the perfect man. He is our example. Look to Jesus. And the emotional life of Jesus is recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's, you know, those Gospels are selective, right? The Gospel itself says if we wrote everything down, the, the books of the whole world wouldn't be able to contain all that Jesus said and did. So it's not giving us a full picture of Jesus' emotional life. It's picking and choosing. Um, but we clearly see Jesus experience all kinds of emotions. Here's B.B. Warfield in his article, The Emotional Life of Jesus. Um, here, obviously, referring to Jesus, is a being who reacts as we react to the incitements which arise in daily intercourse with men, whose reactions bear the characteristics of the corresponding emotions we're familiar with in our experience. Jesus felt compassion. He was angry, indignant, consumed with zeal. He was troubled, greatly distressed, very sorrowful, depressed, deeply moved, grieved. He sighed, he wept and sobbed, he groaned, he was in agony, he was surprised and amazed. He rejoiced very greatly and was full of joy. He greatly desired and he loved. So Jesus experienced a full array of human emotions. Why? Because he was fully human in addition to being fully God. Um, shout out. You get to talk back during the sermon. Uh, what, do you, what, is, what do you think is the, 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 the number one emotion, like the most dominant emotion, or the, most, the emotion most recorded in the Gospels uh, as, having, as Jesus feeling? It's, it's compassion, which flows out of love. It's compassion. Um, yeah, compassion. I, I didn't know that. That surprised me. Compassion is the response of love to human need. Compassion is the response of love to human need. And so an example is a leper who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know that if you're willing, you can heal me. We read in Mark chapter 141, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. 
He had pity. He had compassion. So um, this definitely challenges me because I confront human need on a regular basis and often I don't feel compassion. Um, there was, <laughs> I've heard the joke that, uh, you know, that, that person has compassion, they just exercise it on themselves, right? <laughs> I'm very compassionate <laughs> toward myself. Um, but yeah, Jesus, Jesus, when he interacted with the, the human need all around him, especially as he came face to face with it, he often was moved with compassion. Uh, his love for people uh, caused him to move toward their need, right? It caused him, because compassion is moving toward their need, and he, he would move toward their need in healing, and ultimately his compassion moved him to the cross. Okay, what's the second emotion we see most often in Jesus in the Gospels? Yell it out, take a guess. Anger. Anger. And actually, that makes sense. Anger is the moral response to things that hurt people and rob God of glory. You know, it's immoral to be face-to-face with something that is hurting other people, robbing God of glory, and, and be apathetic. So, I'm not surprised. Now, by the way, the, you know, the, the Gospels are recording, you know, they're zeroing in on a three, basically a three-year period in Jesus' life when he's on mission, and they're really focused on, ultimately, on his work on the cross. So, um, I think it makes sense that compassion and anger were dominant things to be recorded. Uh, be, um, but when Jesus saw, here's an example, Mark chapter 3. It's the Sabbath, and you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus encounters this guy with a withered hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he wants to heal him because he's having compassion on this guy. And the Pharisees are all grumpy, and they're, they're actually trying to catch him in the act. Is he going to do work on the Sabbath so we can, so we can catch him? And, and Jesus knows this. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart. And he said to them, to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored. So Jesus, it, it made Jesus mad when he encountered unbelief and he, count, and he encountered uh, r- religion that was actually keeping people from God rather than uh, getting at the heart of things. His greatest anger, as far as I know, Jesus' greatest anger was for death itself. Uh, if you look at the story of Lazarus, when Jesus brought his friend Lazarus back from the grave, uh, when Jesus see, sees Mary and Martha so distressed at Lazarus' death, even though Jesus knew I'm about, he's about to bring this guy back to life, it, it's, you know, it says Jesus raged in, inside himself. He was raging at, that, at death. Because death is sort of the ultimate, you know, the ultimate um, enemy of people. So, uh, do are are we indifferent when we encounter evil in this world? Do we just are we casual and eh, we see it all the time? When you know, one of the things that bothers me is, 
you know, watching TV and you get desensitized to stuff over and over and next thing you know, the, the things that used to shock you and grieve you now don't. My, I remember my grandfather telling me, he told me lots of stuff when I was a little kid, I didn't even understand it, but uh, he, was, he told me about how, you know, one of the things that if you want to, if you want a behavior to be accepted in society, the first thing you do is you just expose the society to the behavior. Just boom, 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 bombard it until it becomes, I've seen it so often, I'm no longer scandalized by it. Well, then it be, it's this process of normalization, right? Well, Jesus' reco- uh, Jesus's recorded emotions in the Gospels reveal a soul that moves toward what God approves of and away from what God disapproves of with just the right amount of passion. With, right? Jesus' emotional life was perfect. By the way, strength of emotion is not the issue. Well, actually, I should say, sometimes it's very appropriate to have a strong emotion. Emotion. In fact, in, in, we're going to take communion a little bit. And I, I don't think communion is something we should partake of, you know, casually and without any emotion. I think it honors the, the Lord to take communion and feel strongly, uh, apart from Christ's death upon the cross, I, I would be lost for all eternity. But my sins have been forgiven. Take it away as far as the east is from the west. Remembered no more. I've been claimed as a child of God. I have a, an eternal relationship with God. My future is awesome. I mean, that should, when we connect afresh with the truth of the gospel, it ought to, we ought to feel it emotionally. So I challenge you, get emotional in a few minutes. Jesus uh, oh, but also, you know, Revelation, um, Christ gets on, gets on some of his children because they've gotten lukewarm in their love for the Lord. He's like, that's not appropriate. I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. You know, a, 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 a blasé emotional response to your God is not acceptable to God. It's inappropriate. Well, Jesus is able to help us manage our emotions because he perfectly managed his emotions. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, Jesus is, uh, we're reminded that Jesus is our high priest who makes intercession for us. And, and we read this, Hebrews 4.15, We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted to let his emotions uh, go out of control or to squash his emotions who had motions rise instantaneously without even conscious thought and then having to subject them to examination. By the way, next week we're going to talk a lot more about that appraisal process and, and how to, uh, how to um, handle our emotions in a way that honors the Lord. Kind of a process for that. Well, here, here's some summary statements, uh, summarizing what we've learned. Number one, Jesus had negative emotional reactions to things that harm people and rob God of glory. And he had positive emotional reactions to things that bless people and promote God's glory. And the strength of his emotions always perfectly matched the situation. We should strive to exhibit Jesus' emotional life. Number two, Christ-likeness does not shield us from horribly distressing emotions. 
Living in a sin-broken world will elicit strong negative emotions in godly people. In fact, strong negative emotions can motivate us to act, to combat sin in our own lives and in the world around us. But we must be careful when experiencing strong negative emotions that we don't allow them to lead us into sin. More on that next week. Number three, when our emotions rejoice over what is good and grieve over what is bad, it honors God. They honor God and they promote His good purposes in our lives. Number four, sin distorts our emotions. Sin distorts our emotions by handicapping our ability to correctly appraise situations. Sometimes we're apathetic when we should be impassioned. Sometimes we mislabel bad for good. And sometimes we're motivated by self-love more than love for others and love for God. Number five, we mature emotionally, right? You want to mature emotionally, I want to mature emotionally. We mature emotionally as we continually interrogate our emotions, asking what they reveal about our heart's desires. Why am I feeling this way, Lord? And do this in the presence of God. I learned most about this when I first got married. In the first number of years of marriage, I had to go on a whole lot of walks. A whole lot of walks. Because I was an emotional basket case. And I had to bring my emotions to God. Help me think. I can't think. I'm just feeling. Help me. What is going on in my heart, Lord? And it was an agonizing process over and over and over and over and over again. Trying to mature emotionally. And now I'm un... No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm better than I was. Better than I was. Takes a lot more to rile me. But I still get riled. We mature emotionally as we continually interrogate our emotions, asking what they reveal about our heart's desires, and adjusting as the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit is your greatest help. By the way, remember, actually, I think I've got it. That picture James, uh, Pastor James gave us last week of the chaos, you know, it, right? He said, you, you know, your, your different parts of you don't live in different rooms. Uh, it's more like that. I can't, I can't unravel that. I don't know how my thinking affects my emotions and my body and all that stuff. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit who indwells you can work on you in just the right way. He is the best spiritual doctor we have. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Our emotional states are windows into our souls, revealing the allegiance of our hearts. When we regularly adjust our heart attitudes that produce our emotions, we mature emotionally. And you know what? Life is better. As you, as you mature emotionally, you, you experience more and more of, of the emotions of Christ, which were, per yes, he felt compassion, he felt anger, but I think the, dominant, the predominant emotion of the Lord was joy in the Lord. That was, that was his, that was the default for, for Christ, is joy in the Lord. And then he encountered people who are hurting and he moved toward them in compassion and he encountered evil and, and in that moment there was the angry reaction. But you know what? The emotions of Christ are better 
than, than our emotional life right now. <clears throat> Let's pray. I'm going to invite the team back up, worship team back up. So do you want, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Do you want to mature emotionally? Maybe there, maybe you know right now, ugh, I, I am, I get out of control emotionally. Um, or I'm so scared of my emotions, I squash them, I'm not healthy. I need to change. Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit to tr- begin to transform your emotional life with the truth. Lord, we want you tell us love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, all of you. We want all aspects of of our being to to work in harmony toward your will and your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.